Well, my guess is most of you can remember, uh, perhaps growing up, and remember, remember what it was like to first pray as a child. And, and for me, one of my early remembrances of that is, is uh, the prayer that my mom and my dad would say with me pretty much every night. In fact, it was even cross-stitched into a picture frame in our hallway. And it, it was at the end of the hallway going into the bedrooms. And it simply said this, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. And as I grew older, and I started having kids, and then I realized, hey, I should teach them the prayer I was taught. And then I realized, what a depressing prayer. If I should die before I wake, I pray... Am I going to die, Dad or Mom, right? You know, like, and, and then you always follow that up. Well, good night. Don't let the bed bugs bite. And if they do, there's bed bugs, you know. And like, why do we freak our kids out like this, right? But yet that was my first experience with prayer. Since then, you, you, you grow up, you, you say, okay, what, what is prayer all about? And, and often for most people, if we're honest, uh, prayer is, is for those moments when we realize that maybe we aren't as strong as we thought or we're not as self-sufficient as we thought. And prayer, and people sometimes say, well, I guess all that's left to do now is pray because it's the last resort. Like, if we can't do it ourselves, we better pray. And maybe, just maybe, God might answer. That approach often is looked at also in other ways. It's thought of as kind of the vending machine approach to prayer. And it goes like this. If I... Uh, have a need or what is really a want, um, and, and I have a relationship with God, well, therefore, if God loves me, he will give me what I want when I ask him. So it's kind of like walking up to a vending machine, and we put our 50 cents worth of prayer into the machine, and, and we make our selection. Man, I'm really hungry. I want Doritos and A3. Okay, you click A3, 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 and then you're waiting for this, this divine little corkscrew in the sky to, to make its way so Doritos drop your way when you want them. And obviously, you may not pray for Doritos. Maybe you do. But you're praying for something you want. And when that corkscrew moves and it doesn't drop in your timing and your way, well, what do you do? Then you rattle the machine. It's like, come on. You said you'd answer my prayer. I thought I'd get what I want. If you're honest, I bet you've been there where you've asked God for something that is obviously according to something he would grant or want for you, because doesn't God want his people, after all, to be happy? I grew up thinking, oh, that must be what God wants for us. If God loves us in Jesus, his number one desire then is that we would be happy and fulfilled and content with getting the things we want. And that vending machine in the sky prayer, Lord, give me what I want. You know, sometimes God does grant those prayers. He does. But only when they're according to his will. And also, not because God's number one desire, as we're going to see today, is that we be happy. And that may be a hard one for us because we think or are convinced the goal in life is to be happy, to be comfortable, to be happy in our circumstance. And we find out biblically as we begin a study of prayer today that that is not God's number one desire. And that our prayer life, 
that flows out of our circumstances often is also a result sometimes of some of the most discomforting times. Times where we're overwhelmed, times when we're exhausted, times when we really have come to the end of our strength. God starts to teach us is one of the most powerful places where prayer starts to show why prayer is so important, not just in those times, but in all times. Because it's a pointer to our insufficiency in ourselves, our need for something greater than ourselves, in a God who is there with his people. I took a vending machine approach uh, a week ago Saturday. I was, uh, I was on one of my long bike rides on a Saturday morning, and I got an early start, and I was on my way up uh, to Metamora. Um, and it was about 35 miles away from my house up there, and then another 35 back. And as I was getting closer to Metamora, just outside of town, this happened. Um, I got the dreaded flat tire. And, and I, I don't like getting flat tires, but you know, no big deal other than, okay, so here I am alongside the road north of Oxford, and traffic's going by. They were starting to wake up going north for the, on that Saturday morning, and I'm like, ah. Oh. And so I hear, and I'm sitting in the wet dew grass, you know, thinking this is not what I want to do, but I got to get this thing changed. And so I was fixing the tube. I patched the tube with my tube or my patch kit, and then I pulled out... Um, what is called a CO2 cartridge, right? And maybe some of you are familiar with those. That's what I carry on my bike to inflate my tires. I usually bring two of those with me on any uh, road trip just to make sure if I ever get a flat like this, I'm prepared. And I was, I was prepared. So uh, here's what they look like. They're kind of like that. It's got a little valve on the end. So I put that on the valve of the tire and I inflated. And then I got back up. I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. Packed everything up and I kept riding toward Metamora. But as I'm riding, I'm realizing my tire's going like this as I'm riding along, and something isn't quite right. The tire didn't quite get right, seated right in the rim, and won't go into all the details. I knew it was wrong. But I arrived in Metamore, and I was sitting at a coffee shop right there, grabbed an espresso, uh, analyzing the situation, and I decided I would try to fix the tire. And to fix it and reseat it, I would need to let some air out, and then reinflate. And I thought, no problem, I have a second CO2 cartridge in my pack. So I got that out all ready to go. I deflated and I went to inflate and it was dead. Here I am now with a, a flat tire. It's eight in the morning. I'm in Metamora, 35 miles from home. My girls are sleeping in. And some of you might say, well, didn't you just go to the gas station? Well, these are different valves. You, you don't, I can't inflate this kind of tire at the gas station. At least I didn't have an adapter. And, I will now. Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting there kind of in panic mode, frustrated mode, anxious mode of like, what if my girls don't answer the phone and, and how are they going to feel about driving an hour plus to come get me early in the morning on their one day to sleep in? And, and I'm, I'm frustrated and I called out to God in that moment. And I did. I'm like, Lord, this, this is not what I signed up for today. This is not fair. I'm like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm safe. Everything's fine. But really... Like, come on, it, help me out here. Come on, Lord, you, you got to come through. I'm not kidding you. 30 seconds at most later, these two guys on specialized road bikes, race bikes, come ri riding around the corner. I hadn't seen another cyclist all day. I'm in the middle of Metamora, which, let's face it, kind of the middle of nowhere up there. And these guys come riding out of nowhere, and I walk out on the street, and I'm like, guys, guys, see, 
any chance you can help me out here? And they're like, yeah, yeah, what do you need? I said, do you get a CO2 cartridge? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll help you out. And sure enough, they were able to get my tire pumped up. And, and uh, Roland and Joe were my, my designated saviors that morning. And I thank God. And I even told them, I said, do you guys know you are directly an answer to prayer? I Praise God, what a blessing you are. And we ended up riding uh, for another 20-some miles, and my average speed went way up because these, these dudes were, were cruising, and I was drafting behind them and just thanking them. And finally, our, our paths were, were uh, going different ways. And I said, guys, I, I just got to thank you again for being an answer to prayer for me. I, I don't even imagine what my day would have been like if it wouldn't have been for you. And so meanwhile, um, Roland says, hey, you know, we, we do rides all the time, and, and maybe we can be in touch. I'm like, yeah, sure, great. And I'll tell you more about that, but here God answered my prayer. And you might say, well, see, God does answer prayers like that. And I said, well, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, clearly, right? <laughs> right? But it wasn't like I was really needing that, per se, and yet God granted it. I mean, I had a way to get home. My family could have come get me. But a lot of times our prayers look like that, don't they? They're in the desperate mode of like, God, answer this for me because it would make life more comfortable. It would make life more convenient, more easy. Because after all, God, if you love me, you want my life to be happy and comfortable. And yet, as I mentioned earlier, that is not what the Scripture says about his number one desire for us. Let's explore this a little bit together today. And, and by way of doing so, I want to get into Philippians 4. And we're going to focus in on verses 5 through 7 as as Paul writes about this very thing and, and begins to teach us more about prayer and context for prayer and, and the outcome of prayer. And let's open this, this word together now. Philippians 4, we're going to begin with verse 5. We're going to do this verse by verse. And this is what he writes. He says, Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Now, think about that. I think this is a phrase that has been lost in recent days in our culture, even in our Christian culture, where we're hearing these, these messages that to be a, a follower of Jesus is to be about power and control and, and about speaking out and being bold. And, and, and yet we see in Scripture that he says, you know, let your gentleness be evident to all. This is a message that is being lost. In a world that is so divided and so at odds and so overwhelming right now. And yet our Savior, through his word, through Paul, says, let your gentleness be evident. And there's a reason for that. Because the Lord is near. A lot of times we live our lives as if God were distant. As if when, when the ascension happens and Jesus gives us the marching orders of the Great Commission, that he's out of the picture. And we forget that he also said, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. We don't have to fight the fight that God is there to fight for us. We think we got to control everything. We think we got to grasp this and hold on to this and somehow got to figure it all out. And meanwhile, God is standing there saying, you're forgetting something. I am with you. I am here. I am your strength. The Lord is near. And with that in mind, Paul goes on. He says in verse 6, he says, Do not be what? 
anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. What's included in anything? Not a hard one. I know it's early in the morning, but anything, everything. Don't be anxious. You know, I've heard it said that, that anxiety, which is also related to fear, that often what we're afraid of or what we're anxious about often is an indicator of where we lack faith. And that might be a hard thing to hear, but ponder that a bit. In your life where you face anxiety, where you face fear, that often is an indicator of where you lack faith in God's ability to do something about it. It's also a signal often of where we are trying to rely on our own way of figuring it out and our own power, our own sense of control or being out of it, which brings fear and anxiety. And Paul's simply saying, don't be anxious about every, anything, because after all, he already said, the Lord is near, and if the Lord is near, he's in the room with us, why would we, we be anxious about anything? He says, so instead, in every situation, and by the way, what's included in every? Another hard question, I know, this is tough, right? Every situation, every circumstance, every moment, no matter what you're facing, every situation by prayer and petition, listing the things before God that you're anxious about, the things you're worried about, the things you're concerned about, you're, you bring it to God. And the crazy thing is in, in all of this, sometimes maybe in those petitions or, or vending machine type requests, but we're laying it out there because we know this almighty God in his love and his mercy and his grace knows our minds and knows our hearts. He knows not only the maturity, but he also knows the immaturity of our requests. And praise God, he doesn't always give us everything we ask for because he loves us enough not to. I mean, imagine if a parent gave anything that their child ever wanted at any given time in any given moment and just grant, oh, okay, here you go, here you go, okay, here you go. Um, we, we have a word for that, and that's called a spoiled brat, right? And it's never a healthy thing. And it also isn't a helpful thing, and ultimately for our maturity and our growth, but also out of love. Because a lot of times the things we ask for of God would actually be a detriment to our character, or it would be a destruction or destroying factor in our faith life. And God, who is all-knowing, all knows that. He, he knows the future. He knows what we need and what is according to His will. That's why Paul says, you know, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that's a hard one, by the way, isn't it? When's the last time in the midst of a difficult time you went to God and you thanked Him for that difficult time? And yet mature prayer teaches us that no matter what our circumstance, that we start to see things from the eyes of God and a God who says, you know, in all circumstances, I can work for the good of those who love me, who have been called according to my purpose. That God is working through that situation to mature your faith. And here you are on your knees in reliance in him as a reminder that you can't do it by yourself. What a gift. When we are weak, we are strong, God's word says, for his grace is sufficient for us, made perfect even in our weakness. God is teaching us 
with thanksgiving to present our requests to God. And then comes this incredible promise. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So wait a minute here. You know, Paul is saying, you know, bring anything, everything to the Lord in prayer, and, and he will give you peace? <laughs> you know, the crazy thing on that is you think, uh, you know, as I remember as a little boy, Christmas comes, and on my list is you know, toys, 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 all these toys, and then the gifts come, and I start opening them up, and it's clothes, clothes, clothes. Like, and mom's like, be thankful, be thankful, and I'm like, but, but I wanted toys, right? And you know, is this that kind of thing? Like, wait, but I wanted this and God gives me peace? Are you kidding me? Until we start to realize what we truly need is peace. The peace that surpasses understanding. The peace that opens our eyes and hearts in the presence of Almighty God as He starts to have His way in our life that we might be able to see our circumstances differently. Not as opportunities to retaliate, not as opportunities to somehow get control again, not as opportunities to somehow figure it out on our own, but rather as a huge reminder that what we really need is God's presence and knowing He is with us. And as we look to Him, our eyes are filled and our hearts are filled and our souls are filled with an eternal peace that far outweighs anything we see. And it's what we really long for, even when we don't know it. There's a, a day when, when Jesus had been, been preaching on this and speaking on this. His disciples had asked him a question, you know, teach us to pray. And we're going to get into this in the series in some subsequent weeks where Jesus then teaches them the Lord's Prayer. But he follows that up and he, he says this. And I love this. He says, you know, which of you, this is Luke 11, verses 11 through 13. Which of you fathers, uh, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he... As for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, you see this, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I just find that interesting. He doesn't say, how much more so will the Father then give anything you want? No, he says, give the Holy Spirit. By the way, the word for spirit, holy, pneuma. Um, we get our word pneumatic. From that, air-powered, CO2 cartridge, God, God grants us the power to believe and to see it's by the way of the Spirit that leads us to faith, the same Spirit you receive in your baptism that draws you into a relationship with God and that Spirit that outpours through His Word and His promises. And as we seek Him in prayer, a God who answers that prayer for more of that Spirit's presence, He loves answering prayers when we seek Him as His people. Because he grants prayers according to what we truly need, not according to what we always want. And that's a blessing, a huge one, huge one. You're going to read this this week that Tim Keller talks about, you know, all the different books that have been written about prayer. And they generally take one of two approaches biblically that often they'll take an approach that, that prayer is all about communion with God, not Lord's Supper communion, but communion in our relationship with God. And that's what we see here in, in Paul's expression here of what prayer is all about. It's about having that, that presence of Almighty God, recognizing He is near, and, and having that conversation with a God who is with us in, in communion. And, and 
and certainly that's a huge aspect of prayer, and you're going to read about that. But it's not the only aspect of prayer that the scriptures bring out. Other books often will talk about how, how prayer is all about kingdom advancement, kingdom prayers. And it's like this, that, that, that Lord, may, may uh, my life and my circumstance be directed toward expanding your kingdom. And may your kingdom come in, in my community, in my nation, my world. And, and they, these kingdom-powered prayers that the will of God would have its way in the church. And certainly a lot of biblical examples of that. And, and what Tim Keller is going to point out to us is that it's both. And that they're very much connected, but, but that as we go into this study of prayer, we're going to see both of those start to play out of what prayer is all about and, and what it looks like to have a prayer life that isn't just vending machine approach, but a, a prayer life that's based in a communion deeply with God in response to what he has done for us as our Savior, but then a response that then leads us to say, Lord, may our hearts and our lives reflect as your Holy Spirit, Numa, leads us with power to reflect you to this world. It's also what Jesus prayed in, in our gospel reading today. And same prayer that forms our mission and our vision as a St. John Lutheran Church and School. You know, one in Jesus reaching many. And a Savior Jesus who prays this just moments before he goes to the cross and of all the things he could have prayed. My prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Do you hear the kingdom prayer side of that? And of all the things Jesus could have prayed for, he doesn't pray that we would be uh, all powerful or really nicely dressed or be really wealthy or that our 401ks would be excelling above other people who are unbelievers or or he doesn't also pray that the, the Democrats or the Republicans would be in office. He's not in his mind. Rather, his prayer is that God's people would be one. And he goes on, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And there's a lot riding on this as he says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I pray that they might be one, Father, in a divided, hostile world, that they might be one. What a powerful prayer our Savior Jesus shows us. That when we come together as God's people, whether it be through a book study, whether it be through God's word, whether it be in worship, either here in the room or on, online, that God is drawing us together, unifying us to give us peace. It goes beyond understanding that as we're brought together as one, that the world might know who he is through our witness. So a little more about my bike ride last weekend. So as we ride along and, and I made those statements, I said, gentlemen, do you realize what an answer to prayer you are? And, and I'm just thinking, I'm just reflecting on God answered my vending machine answer, right? And, and they are it, right? And, and I could sense Roland kept shaking his head. He's like, you know, sometimes God acts in that way, doesn't he? And uh, I said, amen, brother, right? And, and as we, we finished the ride, he says, hey, let's, uh, let's stay in touch. We, we ride all the time and, and uh, you're welcome to join us. Uh, there's a larger group. We, we get together often and and uh, we, we exchanged cell numbers, and he, he texted me that night when the next ride was coming up, and we went back and forth on this, and, and I finally asked him, I said, Roland, I sense you are a brother in the Lord, 
And he said, yeah, I am. He says, I, I sense the same about you. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm excited you might join the ride because uh, I got to tell you, he said, a lot of the guys who are in the group rides, they don't know the Lord. And he says, I've been praying, you know, for an opportunity to even start a cycling ministry as part of this, uh, to start sharing Jesus on these routes. You know, we're, we're on the bike for hours at a time and making stops together, conversations come up. He said, I've always thought maybe God could use this situation to bring others to know him. And I said, you know, I, if I can keep up with you, <laughs> maybe I can help with that. And he says, you know, maybe God would bless that beyond our measure. And uh, I've been pondering this. You know, it would be just like the Lord to allow a flat tire and an answered prayer of two guys unexpectedly rolling into Metamora to eventually bring others to faith in Jesus where eternities are changed. I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps just thinking about what God can do and how he can answer our prayers beyond anything we could ever imagine. May he do so in these days as we trust in him and all that he is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are bigger than any of us and all of us. You're smarter than us. You're more powerful than us. And, and we are just simply not, even though we often convince ourselves that we are. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to show us how much we need you and teach us what a gift and a resource, a conversation in prayer truly is. As you develop our relationship with you through your word and a response of communicating to you back as our loving Savior and Lord and a Heavenly Father who is there for us, who truly is near us. Lord, we pray that these days would not only transform our prayer life individually and corporately, but that in so doing, this study would also transform our witness for you and your kingdom purposes in and through our lives, that you might have your way among us and into our world that is so desperately in need of that hope right now. Lord, we pray this powerfully according to your pneuma spirit and your will among us and a Savior Jesus who's with us. And we praise you now and always. Amen.